Well, this is where my, my personal history comes in. So when I was a teenager, I was really into underground music. So punk, had a punk phase and um, part of that was seeking out these particular shops. And one of them was the Black Rose Anarchist Bookshop. Welcome to the Festival of Urbanism's Book Club podcast. You're on City Road. I'm Fenella Kernabone. I'm the Head of Programming with Sydney Ideas at the University of Sydney, and it's great to have your company. Today, Dallas Rogers is speaking with Vanessa Berry about her delicately wrought essays and hand-drawn maps in her book, Mirror Sydney, an Atlas of Reflections. Vanessa has a PhD in creative writing and is a lecturer in the Department of English at the University of Sydney. In this book, Vanessa describes her DIY approach to urban exploring and her encounters with the unusual and often forgotten places of Sydney. Her unique hand-drawn maps are simply marvellous. Mira Sydney won the 2018 Mascara Review's Avant-Garde Award for Nonfiction and her latest book, Gentle and Fierce, provides a refreshing look at human and animal relationships in the city. And now over to Dallas, speaking with Vanessa via Zoom, all about Mira Sydney. Well, Vanessa, you've written a really, really amazing book about Sydney. I wasn't aware of this book, actually, till just recently. Kurt Iverson told me about the book, and I ripped through it pretty quickly, actually. And what I really like about the book is the way that you kind of read the landscape of the city. And then and then you turn your almost ethnographic observations of the city into really lovely words and really interesting maps that I learned in the front of your book that you actually hand draw as well. I really like, as an urban scholar, it was a really interesting way of engaging with the city. And the book kind of does two things, I think. I mean, you have the idea of Mirror Sydney up the front, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then you walk through sort of like a series of vignettes about the city through a number of kind of ways of thinking about them, compass points, ruins and recent pasts, mysteries and connections of networks. Let's start with this idea of Mirror Sydney, which I see as kind of having two dimensions. There is the kind of literal way you came to that idea, a story about an op shop, which is great. And then there's kind of the metaphorical way that you're using the Mirror Sydney almost as a shadow city. Tell me about that idea. Well, maybe I'll start in the op shop. A lot of things for me start in the op shop. I mean, I'm quite an investigator of the urban environment and one of the one of the places I, I like to go is is the op shop and I, I found this photo album which would have been made in the 1960s or maybe the 1970s it was one of those kind of puffy covered photo albums that if you're old enough you'll remember well that would like the family photo album and so on the front I had a photograph of an aerial photograph of Sydney Harbour and City taken from the north side and then on the back it had the image flipped and so when you opened up the photo album there was the city and then its mirror reflection and I just I liked it as a as an object but I liked what Uh, exactly as you were saying, what it symbolised. It symbolised this other take on the city, which is always how I felt about Sydney. So the kind of dominant stories of uh, the city that we might get in the media are of a showy, flashy city, a glittering city. 
And yes, I see that, but the city I'm attracted to is the more shadowy parts of Sydney, which absolutely exist. And so I don't come from a geography or an urban planning background. I come from a literary background. I've lived in Sydney all my life and I've always keenly observed it. And I find places so resonant. I mean, they're, they're meeting places of stories and ideas, really. So I often I draw on my memories and I draw on my observations. And that becomes a kind of a mirror Sydney in or a, a more subjective city through which I can open up into wider stories of history and speculations and reflections on the present day, too. Can you tell me a little bit about this style of writing. So I'm very familiar, obviously, with going out into the city to read the landscape, but I write it up in a very uh, dry, academic way. And even when I map things, I map them after looking at your maps in a very dry, academic way. Tell me a little bit about, I would almost call it like creative writing. And at one point, you use the idea of your maps as more like star charts than firm maps with hard scales and boundaries? Well, I'd call the genre creative nonfiction. It's using the kind of storytelling techniques of fiction to present a observational and historical take on the city. So my background is in literature. And I mean, I've always had been keenly interested in the urban environment. But um, the kind of influences for Mirror Sydney, the book with its maps, were things like Rebecca Solnit's trio of atlases about American cities. So the first one was about San Francisco, and there's one about New Orleans and one about New York. And she they're edited collections of maps and essays. Also Judith Shilansky's Atlas of Remote Islands. It's not about the urban environment, but that pairs these poetic texts with maps of small and remote and often unpopulated or very uh, sparsely populated islands. So those were the kind of books that were influencing me. They were atlases, but they were very creative takes on the atlases, and they were mostly about storytelling in different ways. So my maps perhaps aren't particularly useful for navigation, but my intention with using the hand-drawn map as well as the essay about a particular place or feature of the city was to show places and details in a kind of a constellation. So the difference being when you read the essay, you get involved in the narrative of me going to a place and observing it and the historical narratives. And then you turn to the map and you see similar details, but they're presented all at once on this spread of pages. So it's similar information, but it's presented differently. And also with the maps being hand-drawn, they give a sense of an idiosyncratic take on the city, rather than trying to show something that's authoritative and the the description of Sydney, there isn't one. There's so many different ways of interpreting the city, and that's what one of the pleasures of living in a city or a dense urban environment is. There's just so many different takes on it. So I, I wanted to, to foreground that by using these kind of yeah idiosyncratic hand-drawn maps in the book. Mm, I really love the maps. The first move sort of in the book goes to compass points. And I think you use a, there's a really great map in there of Penrith, actually. And we were talking before this interview uh, that I actually come from Penrith. And my dad was a hairdresser in the arcades that you draw and you do some ethnographic work in. And in one of your maps is a little note that says, 
here is a picture of a barber's pole painted on a downpipe. And that my dad like literally had that painted. So it was very interesting to see my own life reflected in these stories. And what really struck me is how well you captured Penrith and those arcades. Was that your aim here? Well, firstly, it delighted me that there was we had a connection through the book, through your dad. And I do love that barber pole downpipe painting. I mean, that's kind of what I love about the arcade. So the the distinction um, in Penrith between the mall, which is you know, it's a mega mall, it's got the atmosphere of mega malls the world over, compared to these arcades which were built in the 1960s and 70s, where these kind of smaller businesses exist and they're they're businesses that wouldn't be able to pay the rents in the the big mall so a lot of hair salons and and hairdressers uh psychic services the wool shop the cake decorating shop i mean i'm not sure how many of these are still around um at, at present because i i went to penrith and did that observation quite some years ago now but there would be equivalents the arcades are still there and I love these businesses as an expression of the people who run them because they weren't generic. They had details that gave a sense of the the life of the place and walking through these arcades. So they, they run off the main street of Penrith, as, as you know, and uh, for listeners, and you duck off into this um, small arcade that goes off to the side and there's like 15 or 17 of them, I think, or there, there was when I investigated them. Um, and it's that sense of suddenly being in an enclosed space and it's like a gallery of, of different shops, but also different people and um, and some they had different moods. Some were kind of shadowy and there weren't many shops in them and others were more bustling or um, there was a lot of activity around the wool shop, for example, on the day that I went. So when I go to a place, I do... I kind of, I, I, I absorb as much of it as possible. I think about the moods and the atmospheres of places. So, yes, it is that kind of ethnographic eye on the place or perception of the place. But also I'm always attracted to stories as well. So that's where the literary side of it comes in. So, yes, sensing moods and atmospheres in terms of observation, but also thinking, oh, what could that lead to in a story kind of sense? And when I got to another part of the book where you talk about ruins and recent paths, there's a vignette in there about Miller's Point. And ironically, again, I've done quite a lot of work down at Miller's Point. Um, I've interviewed a lot of the public housing tenants. Uh, Most of them evicted there. I've done a big project on Barangaroo as well. And kind of looking at the connection between that site, the eviction of the public housing tenants and then the rise of Barangaroo and all the controversy that went around that. And so I really liked this chapter as well. But I wanted to ask you first about Ruth Park and how Ruth Park has helped you understand Sydney, but also Miller's Point, this site. Yeah, so Ruth Park, as listeners might know, uh, was primarily known as a novelist, a fiction writer. So in the 1940s, her novel, The Harp in the South, which was about Irish immigrants in Surrey Hills, the Surrey Hills slums, was a very controversial, but also a very successful book. And that kind of kickstarted her career as a writer on Sydney. So not everything she wrote was on Sydney, but that was one of the major themes in her writing. And in 1980, she 
published the book Playing Beatty Bow, which uh, is well well known and m- loved by some, perhaps, school children who had to study it. But in the late 1960s, she wrote a book called The Companion Guide to Sydney. So she was commissioned to write this book as part of a series of what was called companion guides. So they were meant to be like a, a, a literary or a, a local's take on the city. So she wrote this book, which is kind of following her walks around places around the city. She has a particular interest in colonial history, which is not really my interest quite so much. But the parts, I mean, she's, it's very thoroughly researched and it's extremely lively in the way it presents this part, this part of the city's history. But what I love about it most is the moments where it's just with her in the late 60s as she's walking around and observing people and places and moods. So I very much was inspired by her approach by um, in, in this book. And um, when I was reading the Miller's Point chapter, the way she um, described the mood of it, which was drowsy and nostalgic. And when I went there to write about it for Mirror Sydney, which was in 2012, it shared a similar mood. Like I could see that there was, there was still this kind of quiet, and in fact even quieter because all the wharf activity had ceased at that point. So it did kind of seem sort of, yeah, very peaceful but I knew it was an uneasy piece because I, I knew that of the plans to evict the residents of Miller's Point plans for Barangaroo so I was interested in digging into that feeling and so yes there was the immediate kind of like sunlit afternoon it was on High Street when the where in Miller's Point when the sun sets it, it sets down to the west and it, the light kind of spreads over the harbour it's very beautiful so there, there was that kind of momentary pleasure of being in this drowsy nostalgic place but I, it was also an ominous feeling because I knew that things were really going to change I wasn't particularly happy about the change and I knew it was going to rupture people's lives there and, and it's gone on too and I think seeing what's happened there and also with the serious building it's pretty much as people feared or yeah what, what, what people were fighting against so it's become a very or it's becoming a, a enclave of wealth mm. I guess looking back now you were there at a very particular time kind of an in-between time really between the back end of that whole wharf history which is which is very long actually goes all the way back to very early into the colonial era and the kind of rise of something else, a kind of a new form of kind of global capitalism. So I think the reflection, and I like the way that you're talking about kind of you just being in that place and reflecting on this place, in this place at this moment of time, is very rich and powerful for that exact reason. Yeah, I think those moments just before things change are so important to document. So a lot of what I am drawn to for in my writing for Mirror Sydney is this kind of moment pre-change and sometimes the change can be for the better sometimes not and I think yeah when you write about the urban environment particularly the anachronistic or lesser noticed aspects of it things are always going to disappear and sometimes people ask me if it's, you know, it's a sad thing to be documenting and sometimes it is but it, it, it's more that I feel that there's a power in observing in that moment. So these kind of moments are recorded because they often aren't. So what 
it, it becomes kind of very before and after, but the transition phases are very interesting and they're worth preserving. And they're, they're often not, and so by doing a more literary project, it enables me to do that kind of work. Hello, Fenella Kernabone again. If you're enjoying this discussion, make sure you head over to the City Road podcast website to listen to the other six interviews in this series. All the details are on the City Road podcast and Festival of Urbanism websites. We would love to hear from you too, so tweet us at City Road Pod. And now back to the conversation. The next part of the book moves on to mysteries. And what I really, really loved about the mysteries part was the underground. And I think you're a bit of ahead of your time here because the underground and what's underneath Sydney is just really coming into focus in urban geography at the moment. But you were talking about what's underneath Sydney, you know, some time ago. And I assume that you were doing the field work, what we might call field work, even before that. What is under Sydney? Another city. <laughs> but, but truly, it is, um, well, there's all the infrastructural uh, elements, so pipes and drains and tunnels and parts of urban planning, plans that never came to be, like the railway that was going to extend kind of north and, and south along the coast. Um, so there's that kind of infrastructure under there. And But also, I think what's engaging about the underground is that idea that there is another city that's um, just beyond our perception. Yeah. And, and it might be that is a very clear way of grasping the idea of the mirror city, because like it is just literally another city under the ground. You talk quite briefly, but I, I found this quite interesting in the book about El Drano and some anarchists out of the Black Rose Anarchist Bookshop, which I know actually from, it used to be on Enmore Road and then moved to, I think, Parramatta Road. I think I just drove past there the other day and maybe even the Parramatta Road shop is now shut, but a kind of classic um, anarchist bookshop in Sydney. What do these two groups tell us about the underground in Sydney? Well, this is where my, my personal history comes in. So when I was a teenager, I was really into underground music. So punk, had a punk phase. And um, part of that was seeking out these particular shops. And one of them was the Black Rose Anarchist Bookshop, which was when I first went to it was on at the end of King Street. And when I, I mean, it was quite terrifying for me as a little teenager <laughs> to, go, to go in there. I mean, everybody seemed so, so tough and cool, but I was really interested in this take on life, I guess. But part of what I found there was um, this zine called Il Drano, which um, was a, a, a zine made by the Cave Clan, who are a group of urban explorers who focus on the underground. So there's various chapters of them. Now, I was never a cave clanner, but I was keenly interested in them and what they they did. And certainly they had a, a presence in kind of general activist circles, particularly in that time, so 1990s, early 2000s. So um, if you were in those kinds of scenes, they were very present, even if you weren't actually a cave clanner. Uh, and they still exist to, to this day. So I, I love that idea that there were people under there exploring where they weren't really meant to go and the, the, the fact that they could be under the city at any moment while I was walking on the, the surface of it. And I like that spirit of adventure and kind of it, it's a way of reclaiming city spaces or knowing the city differently. So even though I'm not 
much of an urban explorer myself, I, I, I love that idea of reimagining the city through the way by the way you move through it which could be going into these spaces or it could be doing the kind of thing that I do which is a more kind of reflective slow um, walking or observing way of being in the city I think you are an urban explorer right up the front of your book you say that you made yourself a plan to visit every op shop in Sydney is that right I went to every Vinnie's in Sydney in 1999 <laughs> And I made a zine out of it. So there is the evidence. Uh, I still have some objects from that time. But actually, that doing that, I mean, Sydney is such a sprawling city of suburbs as well. And that's something I investigate in Mirror Sydney too. So yes, there's the central city, but all these um, suburban areas are so varied and they're so... They're so different. Um, and when I went to all the Vinnies, I, I went to suburbs I'd never been to or even heard from before. So this was the 90s. I had the phone book and I, I had the list in the phone book, book and I ticked them off and I had the uh, street directory. It's like a different world <laughs> to think about the kind of um, the, um, the physicality of it back then. But it was fun to do. Tell me a little bit about, because you've mentioned kind of digital technologies there and you have blogged and I assume part of your blogging for Mirror Sydney f informed your writing this book. What's the connection now between kind of digital modes of writing and social media and writing a book? I mean, I'm a fairly lo-fi person, really. But what I love about the blog is I'm able to immediately share the stories that I was writing about Sydney and also hear from people and have them comment because I think like I said before I wasn't so interested in it being my Sydney I was wanting to represent the place as Sydney as a shared place and that contains so many stories some of which are mine but opening up into other people's too so the blog was a really good way to do that so the blog started in 2012 and I didn't start it with the intention of it becoming a book but over time I saw that I could work it up into a book and so I used many of the stories on the blog as the raw material for the essays in the book although I worked on them quite a lot and developed them from the blog but the blog's kept going it's almost 10 years old now um, <laughs> and I, I usually write a post a month that's yeah about a particular place or detail in the city so, yeah, it, it, in terms of how it relates to the book, it's like the raw material for that, but it also is this performs this function of being able to share with other people who live or are interested or have memories of Sydney, and it's really enriching to hear people's comments and their own stories. Let's uh, finish up with your new book, The Gentle and Fierce. Well, actually, Gentle and Fierce comes, um, it, it's kind of genesis was in the Mirror Sydney day. So it's a book of essays about relationships with animals. And that started with Mirror Sydney. I wrote a chapter of Mirror Sydney that was about the presence of animals in the city. So both real animals, so like the ibis or the pigeons or the like the city and the urban animals, as well as representations of animals in the in the city. And that led me to widen that scope and think about representations of animals in my life or in urban life. So part of that book is observing the kind of interactions I have with animals in my my daily life and I, I wanted to write this book as a way of making an environmental statement and thinking about how everyday life can be connected to environment and ecology even if it seems like a urban or suburban life even if it seems to be quite removed from it 
what are the ways of connecting um, to it. So that's my new book, and I, I it's similarly illustrated. It's not it doesn't have maps, but it has illustrations in it as well. So I've kept up that aspect of my writing as well. And both books were published by the same publisher too, Giramondo. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the publisher? Yeah, so Giramondo are a literary publisher. They do have an interest in publishing books on Sydney and so books like Antigone Kafala's uh, Sydney Journals or uh, Tom Lee's Coach Fits, uh, two that come to mind on Sydney. But plenty of their, if you look in their back catalogue, there's plenty of Sydney-related books. So if they're a publisher, you don't know. It might be a good one to have a bit of a, a look at. They've published three of, of my, my four books. Excellent. Well, it's been so great talking to you. We're going to put a link up to all of your books on our website. Uh, Thanks so much for being part of the City Road podcast, Chats About Books. Thanks, Dallas. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Festival of Urbanism's Book Club podcast on City Road. I'm Fenella Kernerbone, Head of Programming for Sydney Ideas at the University of Sydney. If you liked this discussion, don't forget we have another six interviews in this series. Kurt Iverson talks with Elizabeth Farrelly about her book, Killing Sydney, and Preston Peachy chats with Julie Jansen about benevolence. Dallas Rogers sits down with Tom Slater to ask about his hotly anticipated new book, Shaking Up the City. And he also speaks with Adam Morton about Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. And Shanthi Robertson about temporality and mobile lives. We wrap up the series in Western Sydney with Catriona Mackenzie's Pike with her book, Second City, Essays from Western Sydney. All the details are on the City Road podcast and Festival of Urbanism websites. See you next time.